When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Real Vision Podcast Network. Ellie Briefing coming to you live from Las Vegas. It's December 9th, 2021. I'm Maggie Lake and I'm here with Ash Bennington. Um, and we are here for a special edition of the Real the daily real vision daily briefing from the real vision takeover of las vegas at the mgm grand and now i know a lot of you are used to seeing ash and i tag team on the daily briefing but we're doing it together today and it's actually the first time that we've met in person right ash yes it is thank you so much for having me this is a lot of fun i'm glad to be here yeah and it's it's so fun to be live right finally after all this time doing everything virtual it's kind of cool yeah. to be here and start to like see people drift in we're just at the beginning of the event yep. um, but we can see everyone getting their badges behind us so it's going to be kind of fun to meet everyone in person yeah we're right in front of the registration desk we can see off to our side all the people people beginning to uh, file in. Incredibly exciting to be here. We should say uh, you can still buy tickets for the online version of this event uh, right now. Uh, you can check on Twitter, I believe, for a Twitter discount code, which is that's very right, exciting. That's yes. right. And I, and for I the Real Vision Takeover. Do that. So I want to talk about some of the cool things that we're going to be doing here because I know people are going to yeah. be interested. Um, but let's get a little uh, check of the market action as we always do. A little bit of a quiet day in some sectors. Uh, stocks, U.S. stocks a little bit mixed. Not a lot of data out today. Uh, we had the Dow down. NASDAQ is hanging on, uh, NASDAQ rather down, Dow yeah. hanging on a little bit, um, but we did see Bitcoin down below 47,000 again, and that's been really interesting to watch. It's on some of the days, that's where most of the action's been. And I wanted to get your thoughts about something because we've been hearing some frustration um, from guests, from community members right. about the volatility we're seeing, especially in Bitcoin. And a lot of them have said, listen, I thought this was going to be an alternative, maybe a way for me to hedge, yeah. an alternative store value. And instead, it seems to be trading in tandem with risk yeah. assets. What do, you, what do you make of that? Are you hearing what are you hearing from the crypto community? Are you hearing the same kind of frustration? Well, you know, I would say no one likes to lose money on any trade uh, or investment. And when people buy into something and it goes down rather steeply, uh, that's obviously an unpleasant and difficult thing to experience. Uh, so two points, I think, inherent in what you're saying. So number one uh, is this cross-asset correlation. Uh, some really interesting work has been done on the cross-asset correlation uh, work by uh, Kathy Wood and her shop uh, have done this uh, analysis looking at what assets uh, Bitcoin is correlated with. Mm. I mean, the thrill that most people got from the institutional side coming into this asset class was it was an asset class that wasn't correlated uh, to other assets, which being able to generate alpha uh, in a way that's and, not And that was the appeal, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But look, the reality is we have global central banks uh, who have been in a you know highly accommodative mode now uh, for about a decade. Uh, you have globally coordinated central bank policy, uh, easy money. We have fiscal stimulus. When some of that stuff creeps in, uh, it's probably not surprising that people are going to buy into the best performing asset class uh, of the year of the decade. So it's probably not surprising to see it. Now, obviously, it's difficult for people who just come in and this is their introduction to the space. But the other thing I wanted to point out was that the directionality of this trade over a longer time horizon, which I think is important to understand. Trade right. 
trade or investment, depending upon your perspective. So first, on a 30-day basis, Bitcoin is down uh, 28%. That's obviously painful. That's a gut check yeah. uh, for people who just got into the space. However, on a 90-day basis, uh, it's up 7%. Now, this gives you a sense of just how volatile this asset class is, trading at about an 80 vol or thereabout. Yeah. Uh, but over a longer time horizon, one year, a one-year time horizon, Bitcoin up 162%. So it all depends yeah, on... Yeah, so it all depends where you got in, but really what it's talking about, what it speaks to, the point that it makes for me very clearly, yeah. is this is a highly volatile asset. Uh, it goes up and goes down, uh, but in the longer term, if you look at the long-term chart, if you look right. at a 10-year chart, clearly it's been massively up into the right, but it is volatile, and, and people and need to understand I think people that. Are people are wondering now, as it matures though, you know, are you going to see that 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 climb that you did, which was pretty consistent. I right. mean, you did have this year has been very volatile, but prior to that, are we in for a sort of a new era of volatility, or is this just sort of, you know, based on the conditions we're seeing? Remember, we had Bernank, uh, uh, Powell, Kemp, Jay Powell come out. Shows you how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong Fed chief. Um, Jay Powell come out, come out and say, surprise everybody. Yep. At the same time, a new variant emerged. So you had this uh, right around thin holiday trading. You've had a lot of right. unexpected events happening. So. We have to remember against that context, yeah. but I do think people are wondering, also wondering if now we're going to see a little differentiation, maybe more institutional right. names in Bitcoin. Is that going to mean it's more volatile versus some of the other cryptos? I don't know. What do you think? What do Bitcoin versus ETH say? I mean, is that held up better? Uh, ETH has held up better, certainly. You sort of you asked the question: Is this the new era of volatility? I might joke that it's the old era of volatility. Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, that's if you're right. if you're in front of your computer for a new newish asset class. Yeah, if you're in front of your computer, you have a phone. Uh, grab, uh, just Google the phrase uh, max drawdown chart Bitcoin and what you will see is that we've had a significant series, I think five or more, mm. uh, 80 plus percent max drawdown events in the history of Bitcoin. So this is really par for the course. This is the way the asset is traded. Uh, certainly for as long as I've been watching the space, when you look at the chart, uh, pretty clear, more or less from the beginning, this has been a highly volatile asset. Yeah, th that's a good point. I think the difference is now, now you have people who are maybe newer to it. By the way, right. th and th this shows you, I think, what's happening at Thanksgiving my 75-year-old father-in-law was asking, what's Bitcoin? Like, how do I right. get, and then this is where it's at now. So, you, yeah. so I think there's more attention on the volatility as opposed to people been in it longer and understand that That's history. Right. Yeah, and I think also there are people who are not, perhaps if you look at the early history of Bitcoin, the people who were invested in the space were really sort of partisans of the technology. They yes. felt very strongly about it. Yes. This was something that they thought, whether it goes up tomorrow or down tomorrow, I'm interested in this tech. Uh, and now to an extent when it's reaching a larger retail audience, I suppose it's natural that people who are, have a less strong affinity for it, they just, you know, they heard that the guy or gal they were playing tennis with over the weekend said, hey, I made <laughs> yeah. X percent return yes, in Bitcoin and it. now they want to come in. Right? And, th and that's very true. By the way, I, it's, it's worth mentioning out too, um, stock market volatile, right? Bum traditional assets also have periods of volatility. Right. So this is not unusual to any type of investing. One, one of the cool things, back to the sort of event we're doing here, one of the things I'm really excited about is how interactive it's going to be. And I'm going to be doing a session with Denise Shaw of Rethink. For those who don't know her or may not be familiar with her, she's a, a performance advisor and um, is the person that many people believe that Wendy Rhodes uh, from the series Billions is right. based on. I think it's a pretty well-known fact. And she's going to be doing a session called Mental Modeling, How to Deal with Volatility in Crypto. Um, could we think of a better time for that now, especially as more people are yes. introduced to it? And it's really cool. We're going to do some mini sessions with people um, in the live audience, as well as take some problem trades from those in the virtual audience and try to work through some of them. And I'm going to give a little teaser here. And if you think trying to put your emotions out of the equation is the answer, mm -mm. 
That's not what she says. So I, I'm super excited about that. Um, what, who, are, who are some of the people you're excited to hear from here? Well, we've got a lot of great guests. I just jotted down some names who I'm particularly excited to hear from. Uh, Mark Yusko uh, over at Morgan Creek, uh, sort of one of my favorite traditional asset managers who's gotten involved in the crypto space, who always has, uh, I think, insightful things to say. I think Bill Tai is kicking off with Rao. Uh, so that's going to be an tonight, amazing- Tonight, I think, tonight. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's tonight. It's going to be an amazing session. Uh, really looking forward to that. Pierce Kicks. Really great person to talk about the metaverse. I think probably the person who turned Rao most on to the concept of the metaverse uh, in the beginning uh, several years ago. In fact, ago. I think we one of our sessions, I think, don't don't quote me on this, might be that the metaverse is eating everything or the metaverse will eat everything or something like that. So that's going to be super yeah, fun. Some interesting questions there. Uh, Pippa Malgram, Dr. Pippa Malgram, always one of my favorite Amazing. Real Vision guests. And yeah. Timbaland. Timbaland yeah, is that's at right. the conference tonight. So. I, I think he's like, there's like a whole bunch of rock stars here, I think, too, which um, we're, we're all talking, running around, talking about who we want to connect with and meet up with, um, yeah. which is going to be fun. Um, you know, we, we have, um, and again, by the way, if you're not registered, virtual option, if you can't be here, but also be sure to follow us on social and all of our outlets. We will be sort of bringing some of the best highlights. And by the way, there's still general admission tickets left. So if you're, all right, like if you're in LA or something and you just want to jump in the car, only three hour drive. All right, well, there you go. Now that you know who's coming. Yeah. Um, but back to the business of the day, because we always do that on yeah. the daily briefing. Um, so we, we had some, some deals, some action. Walk us through some of what you were paying attention to. Um, first one, Ledger, FTX yeah. partnership. What's going on there? Yeah, so and, and give us some background for those who may not be in this space. Yeah, so Ledger is one of the uh, two um, primary producers of hardware wallets in the crypto space, and FTX is obviously a very large uh, global exchange. They are partnering. This is a really interesting partnership, I think, because it begins to talk about what's at stake here with the custody problem. Mm -hmm. So you basically have two ways to solve the custody problem. You can do it uh, through, uh, through a third party who custodies the assets for you, or you can find technological solutions. Two choices there, software and hardware. Overwhelmingly, hardware appears to be the more uh, stable, more secure option among the two. Now, so, and custody, you're talking about ownership of your yeah, crypto for yeah, those on the right. learning journey? Okay. That's right, that's right. So if you own Facebook stock, uh, you own it in the name of E-Trade or Charles Schwab or whoever right. your broker is. When you buy cryptocurrency, you have the option of taking it in a non-custodial wallet yourself. If you do that and you're custodying your own assets, yeah. the question of how do you keep those assets secure this is This is one of the important. big issues yeah, as absolutely. more people enter this space, right? It's, I think what, where, yeah. where most of the confusion and sort of yeah. barrier to entry is, right? I think that's true. I think yeah. that's right. I, I think the way that people uh, who are handling it generally for, who are a little bit newer to the space uh, is just have third parties custody those assets for them. For example, mm -hmm. to store them uh, on uh, the Coinbase exchange or wherever your FTX or Gemini, whoever your vendor of choice is. Um, but people want more control of their assets and it's sort of very dodgy to do it uh, with software alone, just storing it on your local computer. Mm -hmm. So uh, Ledger uh, and their, their uh, main competitors, Tezzer, uh, also offers uh, these hardware wallets. But it's really interesting to see an exchange partnering with a hardware provider. It sort of suggests that maybe there's some maturation happening in the space, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and also people who want to take control of their own assets, particularly if you have larger positions. If you're just speculating with a couple hundred bucks, you're probably not as concerned about it. But if you have a real position uh, in cryptocurrency, you're going to either want to start with a custodian or you're going to want a hardware solution to secure your keys. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. You know, it's interesting as we see this happen, you talked about the market maturing maybe a little bit, maybe this is the first line. I, all, I also wonder if we're going to see more, if not partnerships, outright mergers. I mean, are we at that point yet or, or is it too sort of early on the, on the wave of all of these companies who are looking at that space? Because I imagine you've got some big institutions. This is right. always what we talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. Waiting to kind of get in and since they don't have first mover advantage, right. just sort of, you know, spend their money. Yeah, or second or third or fourth yeah. mover advantage, particularly <laughs> for, for laggards in the space. And I, and I think that traditional financial institutions have been cautious uh, in their approach, which is completely understandable. Mm -hmm. So I think it's entirely possible that we will see a wave of consolidations and purchases. I guess it depends on broader macro monetary uh, positioning uh, as well. But it does seem like there are a lot of names in the space and it does seem like it's quite ripe uh, for uh, consolidation yeah. acquisition. And regulation too. And yeah, no one of, we are going to have one of our sessions is going to be on um, the relationship in the SEC as well. And yeah. we've got some uh, people who are specialists in that area, which is going to be interesting. I mean, that's the nuts and bolts. Sometimes not exciting headlines, but yeah. ultimately that's going to be super important. Absolutely. Um, another development, Bill, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is in the metaverse. Is that true? Yeah, so, so Microsoft announced their metaverse strategy actually uh, a couple of weeks ago, but mm. Bill Gates uh, posted his end of year blog post uh -huh. and he's talking about his bullishness uh, for the metaverse and what the metaverse is going to mean. Now you could say like clearly this is a play, he's I believe still the largest or second largest shareholder uh, in Microsoft. Wait, so are you saying, are you suggesting that someone scripted it for him, Ash? Is that what you're saying? I think he's, I think he's <laughs> and, genuinely- And wheeled him in front of the camera and said, say this? <laughs> Listen, I, I think he's genuinely curious. Bill Gates mm. is a, has been a sort of curious seeker. He's a yeah. great reader and he's been doing this, this blog for a very long time. I think he is genuinely curious about it. I think it also probably dovetails very nicely with the fact that one of the largest uh, market cap publicly traded corporations in the world, of which he is, I believe, the second largest owner after Steve Bomber, is getting significantly into the business. Probably a, let's call it a catalyst. Yes, it's a that's, catalyst. That's right, that's yes. right. Synergy, that's synergy. another, yeah, Even synergy. Better, <laughs> yes. It's a synergy. Um, switching gears a little bit, Evergrande. Yeah. Evergrande yeah. officially defaulted. Yeah. Does that, I mean, We've been hearing about this so much, and 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 by the way, there were so many. We got so many questions. I, I feel like they've tailed off a bit, but so many questions about Evergrande and what was going on and what this meant for China and whether I think the beginning they were really related to the the potential for systemic risk, right? And whether that was going to show up, um, but but what's happening there, and does it matter as much now that we kind of have been anticipating it in some way yeah. for a long time. Listen, I'm not sure we really know what's happening. This is <laughs> That's right, I saw you smiling before that answer. So that yeah. full disclosure, no one knows what's happening in yeah, China. Yeah, look, the, China is a very opaque place uh, in terms of markets. We don't have the transparency that we would in the US or Western Europe. Uh, so I think there are a couple of sort of ideas about why this may be happening. Uh, first, that, that perhaps the Chinese uh, uh, real estate sector is looking very overbid, very bubblicious. Uh, people have been talking about this for some time. Mm. There have been a number of essays circulating uh, comparing present-day China to Japan uh, in the 1980s, mm. uh, in those days when the uh, Japanese Imperial Gardens were valued at more uh, on a dollar basis than the, all the real estate in California. So there is this question about some of the macroeconomics uh, yeah. of what's happening in China and what the risk is. The second question that I've seen begun to see 
be explored here in the Western media, but it's just they're kind of scratching at the surface, but I think it may be a factor, which is to what extent, so, so Evergrande is headquartered uh, and regulated out of Hong Kong, which is a special administrative region of China, mm. part of their one China policy, obviously, uh, but has some limited autonomy. Mm. Some really interesting stuff that's happening there. We know with the delisting of Didi mm -hmm. uh, coming yeah, up, that just, just maybe yeah. part of a similar story. These bonds are dollar denominated, which mm. is very interesting. Mm. So I'm curious now if this may be the Hong Kong Monetary Authority beginning to flex its muscle and attempt to get uh, companies that are headquartered in China not to be in dollar denominated U.S. Yeah. securities. So, 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 so I'm wondering to what extent this is a play for Chinese Monetary Authority and the Hong Kong Monetary Authority to attempt to revise and clean up their cap table. That's a story that we're just beginning to catch a glimpse of, yeah. but I think that's a really interesting question. In fact, it makes me think we really need to have people on Real Vision who are experts on the ground to talk about this. Speaking yeah. of, <laughs> I, do, I don't even have the information in front of me, but I know because it just hit my calendar that I think it's next week or the week after I'm doing an hour-long uh, Real Vision Live with an expert on China. So send your question in. We will hit hit them uh, with all of those because Very it's going to cool. be, yeah, it's going to be interesting if that's the case. Also some really interesting conversations about the demographics happening in China. I've had yeah. some guests on them drop some really interesting data points, some of them contrary to each other too. So there's not agreement about the trajectory for the economy, yeah. the handling of, uh, of some of the policies. Um, really, really interesting stuff. But uh, demographics, sort of uh, one of those themes that's uh, hitting across so many of the conversations I'm having, having, yeah. you know, what's happening with uh, how these how these developed economies and China are going to manage the labor force participation rate and yeah. the sort of shrinking populations. That's really brewing behind the scenes. It's one of those topics that don't come up in traditional media. But yeah. So many of our really smart, forward-thinking guests are really starting to drill uh, drill down on it. Uh, that's a, a, a point that he's been focused on as well. So, and by the um, way, once again, the T word, transparency on the Chinese data to get a sense of yeah, what that, the veracity that's it. is. And even, even for China experts, it's so, so difficult unless yeah. you're actually operating in there. And when you are, you're often um, limited to what you can say. So it's right. It's a tough one. We're going to get as many people on as we can to, to walk us through that because it matters for everyone, right? The Chinese economy is so critical to the global economy yes, that we need to, even if you don't have exposure to China, you really need to know and understand what's going on there. Yeah. Um, Coppola back in the news, but we're, we're talking like next gen. What's, what's happening here? Yeah, I here? saw this story. Roman Coppola is uh, in a venture uh, called Decentralized Pictures uh, that was announced today. Not DeFi, DePi. De <laughs> yeah, DePi. That's, that's pretty cool, Maggie. DePi. You, you may have a place in Hollywood with that I phrase bet, I, yeah, Hardly. <laughs> so what they're talking about doing is basically decentralizing some of the process for things like building relationships, pitching scripts, oh, uh, actors. I thought it was wow. really interesting. Look, it's very early, but I'm really interested in things that aren't just financial aspects of blockchain. The idea of that basically changing so cool. the governance structure uh, of how Hollywood films get produced, made fascinating That topic, is right? so cool. Uh, also so interesting for somebody who's on the inside, right, who knows the way the system really works, uh, right. you know, like from, from the Coppola family. Yes. And that it's always that middleman, right, trying to yeah. remove the middleman exactly. um, as a barrier. Yeah. That, that's a consistent theme through through all of it, which is going to come up yeah. a huge amount here, I know. We have, so, so interesting because music has really been on the lead end of um, when we're talking about blockchain, we're talking about NFT. It seems like the music industry has been been really aggressive in adopting this, but I'm not so sure about film in Hollywood. So it's interested yeah. to see to see that come up. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. The music industry has been ahead of the film industry in this, and, and perhaps it's because of the, the experience that they had uh, with the first generation of uh, music sharing platforms of <laughs> yeah. Napster. Yeah, they know they realize, a, little, a little bit about the disruption that technology can bring. Right, exactly. You either disrupt yourself or someone else disrupts you for you. Mm. And uh, so I think maybe that it's people who are thinking about being a little bit more forward thinking about it. American Zoetrope, uh, this which is Francis Ford Coppola's film studio, uh, they've always been very innovative and forward thinking about a series of things. So bringing this ethos of uh, the open source movement uh, and decentralization to the movie business, fascinating. Again, very, very early, uh, just a news headline that I saw, yeah. but it sparked something in me to think about that. I think it, no, I think it's so interesting, and for anyone who has friends that are creatives, that are creators, it's, it's the hardest thing, right? There's so many talented people and so many amazing projects and scripts. We've, we've seen streaming start to, start to change that a little bit, right? Yeah. Just the fact that there's an outlet for a lot more people right. and more content available. Now, if you actually change the mechanism Right. On, on the discovery of those projects. There are also projects that sit in, I have a lot of friends who are filmmakers and, and uh, you know, uh, screenwriters, and, mm -hmm. um, and the frustration, even if it gets bought, it sits in rot someplace right. because somebody buys the rights to it just so it doesn't get made. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So this would presumably kind of blow open a hole in that. I think we're going to get some interesting comments yeah. on and that. And by the way, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it in the crowdsourcing movement uh, more generally, right? The idea that somebody designs like a really cool coat, and yeah. it's got like a you know your your microphone is integrated in it, <laughs> and you can do all these things, right? And and you can actually just go out and put it on one of the crowdsourcing uh, platforms to get funding. Yeah. So why not right. see something Fun similar? Yeah, crowdfunding. To that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Kickstarter and some 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 huge projects have come out yeah, of it. Yeah, Slava Rubin. We recently had on Real Vision, uh, and I had a conversation about that about that space, which she was very prominent in. Uh, be one of the primary creators of in the crowdfunding funding movement. That's awesome. Version um, 1.0 now, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then um, another deal, Polygon, they're yeah. near. What's happening there? These are not names that are familiar to me. So walk us through that. Yeah, so Polygon. I, uh, I keep drinking water. I hope this isn't the only thing I get to drink in Vegas, by the way. But right, <laughs> <laughs> but right now, it's when the camera shut off, all caffeine, bets are the, off. That tells you everything you need to know about the working crew here. Water and <laughs> caffeine is what we're living on at the moment. Yeah, so, so this is an interesting one to me uh, as well. Polygon is a level, a layer two solution, a scaling solution for Ethereum, purchasing a MIR, M-I-R, they're doing zero knowledge proof work. And one of the things that's interesting to me about this uh, is they purchased it in Matic, basically in their own native cryptocurrency. So it's a pretty cool thing to be able to spend uh, $400 million or whatever the number is, uh, to be able to go out and purchase uh, a, something, someone who's doing a complimentary work using your own coin, right? right? That's fascinating. Yeah, it gives that, you it gives you access to capital uh, and for acquisitions in a way that you would not have had. had you and not maybe had a that peak before. again, a peak at the future of yeah. what can happen if 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 these markets get more mature. One of the one of the interesting things. Um, especially for our audience, I think that's listening. We get a lot of questions about, especially as we're coming to year end, right? Everyone's trying to figure out, um, how can I protect what I've made, right? right. How can I not? And, I, and that was a real, really coming through when we started to see these markets get very volatile because almost across every asset class, we've seen, right. we've seen, you know, mega tech get killed and then come back as it always tends to do. Um, we've seen bonds have big moves, so that may be a little bit more on the institutional side and some of our, cue the music, <laughs> cue the music for bonds. <laughs> and um, 
and then we have seen crypto, some of the people starting to tiptoe in and then that's been volatile. So people are really concerned about yeah. how to protect their money. So one of the things we have here is the new asset allocation. I think that's maybe a hint to the conversation of whether 60-40, how do you fit new asset classes in? Where should you think about that? Is there a place for things like NFTs in your portfolio? Is the 60-40 portfolio still a thing? No, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it, it, we keep saying it's dead and then I'll find a guest on who who's, it says it's not, especially on the macro side, some of the bond, the big bonds guys will not let that go, I will mm. tell you. Um, and the 60-40 switch, by the way, the uh, makeup, by the way, is not what you would think too. Um, especially as we've seen those inflation prints, some of yep. the people, like this is the time, and some of the gold people also, you know, really arguing for a place not in your portfolio, and then other people will come and say that that yep. ship has passed. So there's there's a lot of disagreement right now, I think, um, on exactly what to do as we, as we head into the end of this crazy year yep. and on to the next one. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. Another session that we're going to have is how to build a crypto portfolio. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. We, we don't even know if you might be emceeing that. We don't know yet because <laughs> we're, we're just running around everywhere. But that's going to be a really interesting one. And I wonder, I wonder what the conversation will revolve around that. What, what do you hear from... The, the, the people that you, because you, you have so many conversations in the crypto community, yeah. are they um, are they all in on crypto normally if they're in that community, especially for the you know for the ones early, or are they spread throughout throughout other asset classes? Uh, it depends. It varies greatly depending on who you talk to. I think a lot of people uh, who are very early to the space are incredibly passionate about it. Many right. of them tend to be a bit younger, uh, so they have so they more can, to, yeah, a longer horizon. So they have a longer horizon to endure uh, volatility. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, this is uh, not financial advice and this is the sort of thing that you need to think about uh, on your own understanding yeah. your own risks and, and tolerance and needs and this is why financial advisors can be very helpful yeah. for example. one of the one of the things um, that uh, I know real vision is really leaning on right now and doing is education right there's a whole yeah. sort of channel about um, how to understand these new markets because you have to be educated before you go in it you know like someone like you's been doing it for so long I'm much earlier on the learning journey on this and so trying to understand um, this and not just follow the headline is really important. I know yeah. something that Raul and everyone is really passionate about. There's an amazing amount of assets already on the platform for that. And the crypto channel, if I'm not mistaken, which Ash is all over, is is free. You just yes. it's free free for subscribers, right? right? You just go to it, put your email in, yep. and then you can get all the kind of content. 100% uh, free uh, with registration for all of those products. Obviously, events like this are separate, but yeah, uh, on yeah. the platform, yeah, absolutely. Super helpful. So, um, anyone that you're, I know that you mentioned some of the great people we're having. What is the, so this is about blockchain mm -hmm. um, and how it's changing everything, but there's obviously going to be a lot of conversations around NFTs as well, especially with right. Timbaland and everyone here. Yeah. What, do, who, what, what part of it are you most, from a, from a just, someone listening, not someone who's yeah. posting, but just listening. What are you most excited to hear? I'm fascinated by the NFT space. And my contention is, and I think Raul has uh, put forward similar views, uh, is that we don't really even know what NFTs are yet. It's incredibly, yeah. incredibly early in the game. When most people talk about NFTs, colloquially what they mean uh, are the sort of artistic and collector 
aspect of it. In other words, uh, the CryptoPunks, uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, some of those uh, names that people have mm -hmm. heard us talk about here on Real Vision uh, and have probably heard elsewhere as right. well. Uh, that's one aspect of what an NFT is. So an NFT fundamentally is a non-fungible token. What does that mean? Yeah, so it, I, I know to say yeah. that, but once I start to go further into the definition, I worry that I'm, I'm being accurate, so. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's fair. And I think a lot of people, because it's so new, have struggled to get their head around exactly what it is. And what makes a non-fungible token a non-fungible token uh, is the fact that it has a unique digital fingerprint. Mm -hmm. Now, when you own one Bitcoin or one-tenth of one Bitcoin, uh, it's very much the same as owning, for example, a $100 bill. If you have a $100 bill and I have a $100 bill, we can swap them. You don't care, I don't care, it doesn't matter. They're fully fungible. They're mm -hmm. equal uh, in every aspect. Uh, Non-fungible tokens are different. Non-fungible tokens have a unique digital fingerprint that specifies precisely which token it is. Now, the use case that's come out very early, and one that frankly surprised me, uh, was the passion that people have for collecting, uh, the passion people have for art and music, which mm. I think kind of makes sense, because it's very much a humanizing aspect of this, of this culture. Yeah. Uh, I think it can seem, particularly to people from the outside, it can seem you know, a very kind of mathy, very dry, very computer science heavy, very finance yes, heavy. Yes. But something about NFTs have really struck a chord in people, and you can see it when you go to the events. The level of excitement and enthusiasm that people feel for, it's a very human connection that they feel yeah. to this technology. Uh, so that's just one use case, and I think there are many, many more use cases that are going to come the further we dive down. So I'm really excited to hear about some of those, to answer your question yeah, no, in a very long way. No, 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 it's great. I think, that's, I think that's a great comment because it kind of speaks to the community at the center of all of this, right? I know there's a lot of conversations, whether it's around crypto and the creation yeah. of a coin, because the, the, the community surrounding each one is so, I get the, I get the questions all the time, some of them on daily briefing is so committed to there, and we see it on the Twitter feed especially, so yeah. convinced that the one they're supporting is the right one. But with NFTs, you really see that ability to come around right. in a community way that's really critical. Um, do you think it's going to really expand? Like, what? how um, accessible is that? Is that a more accessible part of the market to the ordinary yeah. person, or is it still tough? I think it's actually harder um, for technical reasons. So one of the things that we, we talk about all the time in the space is the UI, UX, this is the user interface, user experience aspect of it. Buying an MT, NFT, there are a lot of hops to get there, right? So if you're listening my brother, to this. My brother just experimented with this and he is a, he is computer minded and right. he said it was not that easy, but he was it's super not. interested in yeah, it. But. It's not, and look, the reality is it's going to need to get simpler to get a mass audience. But the fascinating thing is how many people who are not computer savvy, who are not really digital natives, because of the artistic aspect of it, because they felt an emotional connection uh, to the artwork or mm. to the music or whatever it is they're interested in, have gone that extra mile to go through <laughs> all of those hops to get there. Uh, so I think that that's something that we're going to see. It's a barrier right now, uh, and I think as that on-ramp gets made smoother, there are a lot of participants who want to do exactly that. I think we're going to see more adoption. Yeah, well it's also, it's also jumped to the mainstream in a different way because there's so many celebrities who are right who are involved and engaged in this. Did that surprise you? Especially when we're talking about athletes. Right. I mean, this is a really, what, what, what do you make of that? Is it just a way to sort of monetize their, um, their likeness, their fame, their achievements? 
I think it's probably in all of the above. Yeah. I think that people do obviously are interested in monetizing their own businesses. <laughs> Athletes. Another way, because Tom Brady and, and I forget who else is, is leading the way and it need that extra yeah. revenue stream. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but look, athletes, uh, athletes, musicians, uh, entertainers, mm -hmm. actors are very savvy these days. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them are very bright. They have great teams around them who are advising them. So it makes perfect sense that they want to get involved in something uh, where they can take ownership of their own intellectual property and also maintain a direct relationship with their fans. So I think both of those are a factor. Yeah. Uh, and I think probably the investment opportunity uh, not lost, right, more generally speaking. Yeah, and we don't have, right, right we, see the, we see the big numbers, but it's not being sort of charted and tracked on a, on a daily basis the way that we look at the rest of the markets. Um, so, we're so, heading, so early, right? Yeah, so it's early. so early, right. But in a way, that the, because of the exposure of it, it'd be interesting to see if you do have people who are sort of paying attention. Bitcoin, those things were trading a long time before we started seeing them all over our website. Right. So it, it's going to be interesting. So we're heading into uh, Friday, uh, last trading day of the week. Mm -hmm. We're going to be running around, but I'm going to be here tomorrow with Raul talking about what's happening and getting his thoughts. So if you have any questions ahead of time, I'm just going to flag right now, send them in. We'll do our best. We didn't do questions today because we're just getting set up here um, and finding our way, but we will, we will hopefully be able to work some of them in. So the sooner you get them in for tomorrow, the sooner we'll be able to ask them and we'll try to bring you all the highlights of the great event we're going to have here. Absolutely. And still tickets left if you're interested in streaming the takeover. Awesome stuff. Actually, it's so fun to be here with you in person and to finally meet you in person. And I think we both found out that we're originally from the state of New Jersey. Is I that right? I believe we have a very look, strong Jersey contingent. But yes, the, the Garden State. You can never get that far away from it. Jersey well, strong. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's going to be so fun. Um, that's it from us today. Thank you so much for watching um, and rolling with us as we do this live. Just getting set up and it's going to be a really fantastic event. We can't wait to bring you all the news. Get your questions in and we'll see you here same time tomorrow with Rao Powell. Thanks so much for watching. As usual, take care and good luck out there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.